0: Trying to work out where to begin as we review two rounds of Primera Action Welcome to Hunter Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am Sam Kelly, and this is the 139th episode of Hand of Pod. We're recording it in Santiago Muñagurria's living room, 14 floors above the streets of Chacarita. Welcome back to Hand of Pod, Santi.
1: Thanks for having me back.
0: We are also joined by Peter Cuates. Thanks for having me. And Andres Bruckner. Hi. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, we have two rounds of games to um, begin with, well, to look at, really, this week. Uh, which isn't going to get confusing at all. We managed, by the way, last weekend, on last week's episode, which was me and English Dan only, possibly because I'd just got out of bed and was rather tired and not thinking straight, to completely forget to mention the fact that the weekend round uh, featured the Classico rosarino we, we didn't manage to preview it at all. Um, that was recorded, of course, last Tuesday, middayish. ish Um, so we're going to look back over that as well as a lot of other stuff but first of all we're going to begin with the 11th round is it round 11? yeah Yeah. excellent, good and Santi's just given me his phone so I'll have to go over to the computer and look at the scores Um, where we had four games on the Tuesday right after or during uh, the course of editing last week since a couple of cases four on the Wednesday and two on Thursday evening Um, I think we've only got two more with me Midweek rounds to go And the reason of course Is that uh, The whole of the Donnel Finale Has to be finished And done and dusted In about five weeks time Ahead of the World Cup um, So thank god We've only got Two midweek rounds left Because uh, I don't enjoy them at all They're horrible One of them is next week So that gets it out of the way Nice and early at least um, They were They ended uh, Kildes beat Belgrano 1-0 Olimpo Lost at home To Beles 2-1 Argentinos juniors and Atletico Rafaela drew 0-0 in La Paternal. And the first game that I really want to get our teeth stuck into, because it was quite astonishing, um, was a a draw between Racing and Estudiantes, which given Racing struggled to to win very convincingly, but have been on the up slightly recently, and given that Estudiantes neither score very many nor not concede very many it was entirely predictable it was a draw Mystic Sam said it was going to be a draw Mystic Sam said it was probably going to be 0-0 and it was 3-3 with three of the goals coming in the last 12 minutes Racing with 2-1 up with three minutes to go and ended up resorting to a stoppage time equaliser with apologies if you can if that uh, comes out on the recording <laughs> that was an extremely loud but normally we don't have too much traffic noise up this side um, they ended up uh, resorting to a stoppage time equaliser from young midfielder Gaston Campi to make it 3-3. Uh, who did anyone else catch this game? Was I the only one who paid any attention to the midweight round? I probably was, wasn't
1: <laughs> I? was watching the Arcade Fire in Lollapalooza, Argentina, so it wasn't really paying attention. But I'm impressed by Racing's performance in the last two matches.
0: Racing now four games unbeaten, because they also um, managed a victory at the weekend, away to Veles-Sarsfield, um, a quite hilarious match, which we'll get onto a little bit later, but that Racing Studiantes game was just thoroughly... Ridiculous um, Involved a couple of Very good goals Towards the end Involved goals from uh, Rodrigo de Paul For Racing And uh, An opener In the very first minute From Saville Heach, Whose first name It says here Begins with E And I've completely Forgot what his first name is Ivan 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 For sure No E English E Oh sorry Esteban Esteban That's one Yes well done um, And, and strikes from Estudiantes From uh, Giro Carrillo Juan Manuel Oliver It's not Juan Jose I think it's Juan isn't it Juan Manuel Oliveira and a fine uh, goal to put them 3-2 up uh, with six minutes to go from Patricio Rodriguez Estudiantes well no we'll get onto that after we've uh, reviewed the weekend's um, results as well uh, Godoy Cruz won Lanús nil on Wednesday with a Mauro Ovalo penalty Rosario Central beat Boca Juniors 2-1 they had to come from behind to do so Emmanuel Gigliotti put Boca up at the break and Central came from behind um, that was of course Boca's second successive 2-1 defeat because they had lost the Super Classical a few days before of course in La Bombonera to River Plate by the same scoreline Colón uh, beat All Boys 1-0 with the goal from Lucas Landa to remain for the moment at the top of the Donnell Finale table and River Plate managed to back up that Super classical win and the previous week's win over Lanús by I think we now have to say Mounting a proper title challenge don't we Andres and I have uh, at least have been trying to Prevent ourselves from saying this for as long as possible Um, But it is now unavoidable They won won 1-0 against The Old Boys with an early goal from Carlos Carbonero Uh, Decent performance all round Um, And even now After dropping points at the weekend Which we'll get onto in a minute They're still only a point off the lead Uh, Gimnasia on Thursday beat Tigre 3-1 that's the most goals Tigre have conceded in fact I think it doubles Tigre's goals conceded tally for the the year so far or if it doesn't double it it's pretty close to doing so Um, 3-1 there very unimpressive from Tigre really really poor performance and San Lorenzo in a duel of Copa Libertadores qualifying sides Um, we'll get on to the Libertadores shortly beat Arsenal de Sarandí 2-0 Big week for San Lorenzo last week. Not only because of the win against Arsenal, uh, but also because they turned 109 years old. I think it's 109. It might be 106 um, on Friday, and because it's been announced, the wealth of the Boedo is is on. That was an interesting mix of English and Spanish. The wealth <laughs> of our Boedo, the return to Boedo. Um, is on a deal has been signed with Carrefour and San Lorenzo are due to be opening the new new gasometro in 2015,
2: 2016, 2017? I Can't don't, next
0: I don't year, have I? the information. In Argentina, no construction project yeah. is going to be yeah. quick enough. To the Estudiant has been
1: in construction for at least two years, and it doesn't look
0: nearly two. to finish I, I first <laughs> saw pictures of it when I was still living in England so oh, makes okay. it makes it for the hardest <laughs> okay. um, yes the so yeah. the you're looking at like 2020 that. yes probably if, <laughs> if they're lucky um, <laughs> yeah. but it's a major moment for the club um, and of course celebrating it in the first in, in the same week as their, their anniversary uh, it's very big it's a we couldn't get um, it's we couldn't get Mariano on uh, to discuss that but he's currently in Tierra del Fuego I think he said wasn't he in Usoya. Yeah. Uh, the world's most southerly city God knows what he's doing there because tomorrow no this evening as we record so yesterday evening by the time most of you hear this um, San Lorenzo have a crucial Copa Libertadores match against Botafogo we'll get on to why it's crucial later on even though as I say by the time you hear this uh, it will already have happened you'll have to check the hand of Pod Twitter or I'm sure most of our Twitter accounts certainly mine uh, for the result at the weekend then we had a day off Friday was football free and uh, I for one took full advantage of that because it doesn't half to wear you down watching the, the uh, midweek stuff and then having to work immediately after it and so on was it your birthday as well Friday was my birthday as well yes so that was another reason that we didn't record uh, on my birthday last week thank you I for the really no,
2: no
0: thank you very much we make a toast I don't think we need to do that. I've completely forgotten about it myself, actually. Um, on Saturday, for some reason, we only had two games. Lanus speak colon 1-0, which meant that the leaders had, had lost, at last, the first defeat that they'd suffered since the first round of the season, uh, in between, which, of course, they'd had a 10 or 11-game 11, 11 um, unbeaten streak. Colon, however, remained top due to other sides slipping up. belez Sarsfield could have regained the lead, but as we've already mentioned they conceded a stoppage time winner to Luciano Vietto and Rassing, mostly notable for the back heel with which... Beautiful goal. I've forgotten the guy's name. I a- Awed. A- a- Luciano Aoued, thank you. Um, thank you to uh, Andres. i forgotten your name then as well. Um, <laughs> set it up, which suddenly y- y- you had Rassing fans putting memes on Twitter on the, like, dressing Awed up to look like Messi receiving the golden <laughs> ball and stuff with one back heel... It was spectacular, it was a lovely way of setting a goal up, but um, just a slight overreaction, but then when have we heard that before when Argentine football fans are concerned? But deserved the, win the for The finish Racing. was very good as well. Mm. Vacuol was good. The really nice chip finish across the goal. And a deserved win for Racing as well. I mean, the second half really appeared to be Venice just dominating. They certainly did possession-wise, but um, Racing actually had as many shots, as many chances, as many shots on target and from fairly similar positions. Um, so in a way, Venice only have themselves to blame. Of course, they have one eye on uh, the Coppa Libertadores match, which has already been played on Tuesday, which was going to be decisive. And we'll tell you what happened in that in a short while. On Sunday...
3: It's probably worth saying as well, something which affected all the games this weekend, but Nanos was one which was... Oh, the, the right. Quite, quite yeah, right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right, so... When was this? On Friday evening, wasn't it? it yeah. stuck, well, not, yeah. Friday night. I, I went to my girlfriend's for a quiet meal on my birthday as the boys have mentioned, um, on Friday night. And then when I got off the bus um, heading home to San Thelmo, I thought, well, it's my birthday. I might have a drink when I get off the bus just before going home. And when I got off the bus, it was just starting to spot with rain. So I thought, oh, this is a shame. I'll just, I suppose I'll have to go in somewhere and get a drink now. Uh, <laughs> this is, we're talking... English thinking, by, by my <laughs> normal standards, relatively early on. This is about 1 o'clock in the morning, probably. Um, went inside, had a couple of ferrets, and by the time I'd had a couple of furnets I looked outside and it was absolutely lashing it down. So I decided to stay for another couple of furnets because it would have been a shame to just go home and you know get wet on the five-block walk back to my house. Um, it had eased off slightly, fortunately, so I timed it remarkably well because I was able to get home without getting too wet. Uh, but it then very much picked up again overnight, stayed on from what I heard because of course I was sleeping. Well into Saturday morning, yeah, almost all of the um, Ascenso
1: matches were cancelled as well. Yeah, almost caused Lanús
0: Colon to be cancelled. And looking at the state of the pitch during Lanús Colon, yeah. I think it possibly should have been because it was like the Son. Um hmm. It was absolutely ridiculous the amount that it was cutting up. So thank you for remembering that, Peter, because it was certainly a talking point. And the yeah, was also postponed, right? The Inasio match was postponed. Yes, that was played last night. Um, it wasn't only a talking point for Lanús Colon, of course, as we've hinted. Uh, Venice Racing didn't really affect it that much because Lignez is slightly higher uh, line but most of the Sona sort which is where Lanús plays where uh, Racing and Independiente play, where Arsenal play, um, and some of the, the bigger teams in the B like Banfield, Independiente we've mentioned of course, um, and so on, uh, is, is lower lying, and it was a problem as indeed it also was for Boca to a certain extent because their certainly isn't a million miles from the river either. Um, on Sunday There were one, two, three There were six matches on Sunday The first was The Clásico Rosarino Which kicked off at 3pm I went around yeah. to Peter's To watch it He was very hospitable Thank you Peter no And it was decided By a goal very early In the second half From Franco Niel This means of course That Rosario Central Got the victory yeah.
1: so the second time in to row. Today's Barcelona Against Atlético match One team having the ball And not really knowing What to do with it the other team pressing, controlling, making sure everything's in order, and when they got the ball, knowing exactly what to do with it, I think Central played a very intelligent match and got a deserved win.
0: Yeah, I would agree that it was deserved. Um, Central now five Classicos unbeaten against Newells. Uh, their fans also enjoyed the fact that, of course, Gabriel Heinze announced last week that he's going to be retiring at the end of the season. Course, if Newell's get to the semis of the Copa Libertadores, he might well postpone that until after the World Cup because the semis and the final of the Libertadores are going to be played after the World Cup. Um, but basically, when Newell's Libertadores campaign is over or when the torneo Final ends, whichever comes last, Gabriel Heinze will have played his last match. Um, and he is retiring with a record in Rosario Clásicos of played three, lost three. He is the only player in short tournament, short championship history to have played. Three or more classic at Rossarino, and two have lost all of them. <laughs> Apparently, that's quite. A it's, it's a great
1: shame because he he played a mighty fine m- might, might match, might in my opinion. The last th- the last play uh, where he basically runs through the whole length of the pitch and gets an inch from scoring the equalizer, it was just heartbreaking.
0: As, as someone who <laughs> thinks he's a complete dick, uh, I don't think it was a shame at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um that, that is a bitter Manchester United fan talk in anyone's wondering. I'm prepared to admit it. Um any any impressions of the the classical from either of you two, uh, Peter or indeed Andres, who we've heard almost nothing from so far in this episode.
2: I think that the, the difference between a, an intelligent a match uh, or a, 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 a non intelligent match in in this case is if you if you uh, score a goal and then go to the to your pitch and don't cross mid- midfield uh, if you achieve to, to to do a counter attack and, and score a second goal or not because so you're
0: saying Central World playing intelligently uh,
2: I, I, I think that at the end they, they did it they did, they did play an international match because um, they, they they tried to press news and, and not to leave them uh, play uh, in freely but they uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's quite dangerous when you have only one goal advantage and and, and go entirely to your to your to your field. Uh, but yes, of course, it's, it's, it's a discussion you can you can have about a, an intelligent, as a tactically uh, intelligent uh, match or not. Because uh, one goal, I think, is very very narrow difference. And but in, in this case, in Argentina. Uh, games in most cases are the uh, and are defined by that by one goal. Uh, then you go to the, you, your your field and and and, and well, uh, then cross midfield and uh, uh, the difference is that it, it, between uh, trying to play uh, to do a, a good counter attack and try to seal the the match or not. Uh, that's the, the main difference between being intelligent or not. Uh, my point of view, is like that.
0: Peter, you, you got to watch this match with the experts, as I said to you at the time, <laughs> seeing other yeah, I mean, professionals watch football on the sofa uh, with it's a Twitter a real in front the television on a Sunday afternoon. What what did you, apart from sitting noticing my mastery of the tweeted word, um, what, what did you take from the match?
3: It was difficult to take in a lot of the match because I was so in awe of what I, what I was watching <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, on Twitter. But, um, no, I, I mean... It's a, it's a great win for, for Central particularly uh, given Newell's home record as well um, but I mean it was, a, it was a worrying thing I think for Newell it goes back to what we were talking about at the earlier part of the season when they went 1-0 down there wasn't a great deal of reaction and there was no plan B or there was nothing no, and there didn't really seem a lot of uh, urgency in the play as well still stroking the ball around even with Five, ten minutes to go.
0: Yeah, I I actually wrote in my preview that, um, of course, one of the things that was a dynamic for all of the the sides, apart from Arsenal, um, this weekend, who were involved in the Libertadores, the fact that they're still not qualified, or at least at the week, well, a couple of them are now, as as we'll get on to later, but at the weekend, Arsenal were the only one of Argentina's five Libertadores. No, sorry, they weren't. Velez already had done as well. (laughs) Um, But essentially, with uh, the Libertadores knockout stages and seedings decided by a league table of best group winner plays worst group runner-up second best group winner plays second worst runner-up and so on all of them to the matches in the Doris knockout stage matter right up to the end um, and so I, I wrote that normally you'd expect Newells to maybe have one eye on that to be a bit distracted if they're trailing or if it's still level even maybe if they're a goal up with 20 minutes to go they might take their eye off the ball slightly and find it difficult to get back into it but I was actually surprised to see it happen because it's the City derby yeah, definitely. I wasn't expecting exactly. them to allow themselves to um, to do that, but they they did even so. I've just brought up the uh, feature, the information chip um, of the match on Tromiedos and the uh, predictions were f- almost forty nine point nine percent of people who voted predicted a Newell's victory, and fifteen point five percent predicted a Central one. Hmm. Um, in the history of the Classico Rosarino, Central actually have a five goal advantage now on the head to head. That's, impressive. that's in the, that's in the professional sorry. era only, sorry, but um, I think it holds up over the amateur era as well. I was looking it up for the, the preview. You, you, you have to think about what
1: happened last season with uh, the Central win. I mean, Newells basically went down in flames
0: after it. The difference so, being the Newells were absolutely flying up until that point, yeah. whereas this, so far, this, this uh, championship, they've not been yeah, true. in as great a mm-hmm. form. So it, sort of, it, it really felt, during the initial, you're, you're perfectly right, because of course mm-hmm. Newells were unbeaten up until that point and they, it suddenly looks as if they've completely been thrown out of this exactly, ride yeah. uh, it doesn't have quite that same feeling about it now but it is still it's going to be were interesting to see home yeah, this
3: they, they have still been flying at home though, so, yeah. I mean it's still pretty it was their the first home
0: derby for four years or so? Um, yeah, well, since Central went down. That was in 2011, wasn't it? Yeah, No, 2010. I went down the year before ever. We'd have to see so,
1: yeah. if they played the home derby in 2010 or 2009, but mm. still, it's a long
0: time. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're quite right. It's a long so, time. Um, so, disappointment for Newell's. Um, they're still <laughs> in the title race, nominally, because As so half many teams, the teams are. <laughs> are still in the title races. We will uh, get on to once we've gone over all the results. go to Rafaela. Beat, Quilmes. No, they didn't. They threw it away. They were beating Quilmes. about thirty seconds, forty seconds into the second half. They took a two-nil lead, uh, and the rest Rosales and oh, yeah. Rodales. <coughs> Rodales. You're nice. quite right. Sorry, it's very Small print on this one. And is it Alexis Nis? Nice?
2: Uh, a
0: no, Nis. Nice, it nice. says here anyway. Someone called Nice. Um, put scored the goals for Atletico. Before Quilmes stormed back to claim a 2 2 draw through Sebastian Martinez and Cristian Lema. Um, That was a match that was also played on an absolute swamp of a pitch in the one de Rafaela.
1: And incredibly, a very nice match. You would imagine between those two teams and really such a. Because the other point was
0: that Quilmes looked completely dead and buried, and their two goals came in the space of four minutes in the the second Mm -hmm. half. Peter and I saw that one it was played at more or less the same time as in fact the first half of that game was played the second half at the same time as the second half of the Classico de Rossarino yeah. the second half of that game all of the matches on Sunday overlapped because there were six of them yeah. um, the, the second half of Rafael versus was played at the same time more or less as the first half of all boys yeah. versus San Lorenzo and Arsenal vs Tigres so we were flipping desperately between channels hmm. we had one on the TV and one on YouTube stream which is the great advantage of what Football Para Todos are doing All Boys versus San Lorenzo finished like it had not started because Javier Campura gave All Boys the lead 16 minutes in and in the second half fairly late on there were only 8 minutes left when Mauro Matos scored against his old club to equalise and even fewer minutes left when Walter Kahneman came up with and I was very careful about saying this because I said, at the time, not on hand of pot last week. I corrected myself by that point, but on Twitter at the time I said that uh, Ramiro Funes Mori's headed goal in the Superclásico to win it was completely unmarked. It was not. He just managed to completely swallow up a Boca Juniors player, um, who I didn't spot until the second replay. <laughs> he was so thoroughly dominated in the air. But Juan Kahneman's goal actually was completely unmarked by um, All Boys and. Uh, Esteban Cambiaso, Nicolás Cambiaso, in goal did flap at it but Caneman even so bearing in mind he was completely unmarked and everything still managed to just get up and towering head or his head must have been the height of the cross when he made contact um, to make it 2 sorry about that I just keep the tripod without meaning to to make it 2-1 to uh, San Lorenzo and send San Lorenzo because of the, uh, the Colón defeat followed by the Vélez defeat on Friday sent San Lorenzo joint top of the league along with Colón they both have 21 points. Um, Arsenal lost at home to Tigre. Tell us about it, something.
1: Um, I was also flipping between channels to be honest, because watching Arsenal on the um, on the local league isn't uh, isn't a pretty sight lately. So. Um, yeah, I mean...
0: You've, it's you've become spoiled by the copa libertadores yeah, football you've enjoyed in the last yeah, two years. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want any of this domestic shit anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Between that and Defensores struggling to keep uh, the category in Primera, I've forgotten a bit about um, the local performance of Arsenal. But just seems to be a bit more of the same, right? I mean, Arsenal doesn't have a, a big enough squad to face to very competitive tournaments with midweek rounds, like this, so they basically forgotten about, about the, the torneo, are we going for the Inicial? Inicial, yeah. And we're last
0: of the league now, which is... Uh, How many games domestics. have they won so far in 2014, Arsenal, at home, uh, sorry, at uh, home, domestically? Uh, two or three, it's three, isn't it? I think they've won three, drawn one and lost eight or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, Tigre, obviously, with a much-needed win. Uh, Fabián Alegre still the manager. Um, Sergio Araujo's goal with six minutes to go ensured made, made that that Allegri is still, still the manager. Let us um, never lose
1: a leg because his looks are the moral reserve <laughs> well, he of wearing, football. He starts wearing
0: suits and he's not oh, wearing a hair hand. Hand. Mm-hmm. Yes, his hair got. Yeah, yeah. Another, no. another, yes, he's a ago Oh, God. couple of weeks ago It's a great shame. Yeah, I mean, he still looks good in them, of course, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's no longer there. But
2: there, there is something particular about that, which is that the Tigre uh, board, the directors, have, have already talked with Saba, Fabundo Saba, uh, and offered him the show. Hmm. Show uh, the coach, shop op- offer, uh, and uh, Saba said, "Well, let me think about that, and I will uh, give you an answer in uh, a couple of days." Uh, in a couple of days, and, and at the same time, the, the, they a couple before, of days or a month. When well, he knows that they're up uh, on he said, uh, <laughs> "Let me think it. I am I, a I am a, t- a resite. I, I don't know. I am I am not in a hurry." And at the same time, uh, Tigre beat Arsenal, and so the. The, the board director said, "Well, if if he won a match, so let's give him some air. So, if when 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 you think about the the results, that the only thing that matters in football Argentina and Argentine football is results. Yeah, the next weekend
1: did, results. That's
2: it. Yes, here you have a proof hmm. because uh, they had already talked with Saba and, and well, uh, if 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 it's not up to them, uh, they they." they so uh, the other day, that the day after the match against Arsenal, would be would have been already the, the coach. Mm. So uh,
1: we're getting Nicolas Aguirre back soon. I think he might have played a few minutes in the Tigre match. So ah that's yeah, that's he's been very injured good. For some very time, very
0: good. He? He, yeah, was, he, was on months, the, he was certainly on the bench for Tigre. I didn't see whether he, uh, yeah, he got yeah. off the bench he got, or not. Like, um, yeah. Ligamentos
1: cruzados, cruciate ligament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was about five, five. Five, yes, four or five six, months. It was a speed recovery seven. for for this kind of injury, but still, he's in my opinion the backbone of the team.
2: And you have to see so. how he comes back, because
1: yeah, yeah, of course. But I mean, he was always kind of the moral captain, you know, that kind of player that you see that he's pushing the team forward when the team are having a hard time, and uh, very much a group leader as well. So it's
0: it's going to be very good to come back.
2: Putting him, the team into his exactly, yes,
0: yeah. And now we get on to the uh, two giants because Boca Juniors had a very good day on Sunday, not only because of their own victory, but because of River Plate's defeat. First of all, Boca managed to win their first in four matches. I think they were on one draw followed by two straight defeats in the previous three. Uh, they beat Godoy Cruz 3-0. Goals from Juan Román Riquelme from the penalty spot and then two from Emmanuel Gigliotti, the first from open play and the second also from the penalty spot Jorge Carranza Godoy Cruz's goalkeeper had a bit of a nightmare because he gave away both of the penalties was booked for each of them got sent off of course after the second one Um, difficult I think to say that Boca played particularly well I was more struck than anything by how poor Godoy Cruz were they're not brilliant away from home anyway but they're normally set up to be tight and difficult to get through uh, gave away a penalty after 8 minutes, let another one in 3 minutes into the second half, and then gave away the second penalty about halfway through the second half. They were, they were dreadful. I don't want uh, to make this I just purely pitching on Boca, but, but I mean... I've heard suspicion Bocca, about this,
1: is. about this match and about uh, the performance of the Godel Cruz is hmm. Between the penalties and also the Chiglotti goal, he basically... yeah. <laughs> moves to the other side like saying okay you've got to shoot
0: this way and I'm going to do this
1: yeah he you
3: basically know? let Joggiotti just walk around it yeah <laughs> so it, it <laughs> was of course
0: yeah, I've forgotten I was trying to remember Joggiotti's open play goal <clears throat> but you're quite right it was the slowest apart from there was one point in the second half where I think Bocca were already three and a half it was just before Riquelme went, went off got like Chris managed a corner the ball got cleared up to Riquelme yeah. on the halfway line who started charging up the pitch it was just excruciating he must have taken five minutes to get from the halfway line to the center, to the edge uh, of the 18 yard box <laughs> where he probably pitch, man. cut it back to uh, Nicolas Colas or somebody no well, Gigiotti then yeah. skied it over the bar of course yeah. Um, yeah it was a very happy pitch of course but uh, it still spoke volumes for how little Juan Román Riquelme can run these days um, but most importantly but,
1: yeah. he said hello to a young fan on a corner kick again,
0: again. same <laughs> yeah. corner as this well. is
1: like uh, main home page news in yeah. Argentinian uh, websites.
0: If, if you're bringing small children to uh, Argentina and you're suicidal enough to want to take them into La Monera without uh, a tour guide or anything, then try and get them down into that top corner of the, the popular, the bottom <laughs> yeah. corner, sorry, of the popular, and there's a very, very good chance that Juan Román Riquelme will shake their hand at some point <laughs> or, uh, or something.
2: It's, it's incredible how how he's so charmed with with uh, the, the kids there in the in the in the uh, in, in the stadium and then in the dressers he's not that that way it's, it's well bad. in fairness the, the journalists who
0: are interviewing him aren't small small children <laughs> are they so, <laughs> I sort of understand that um, but no you're quite right. but right let, let's as I say let's it, not it doesn't seem impressive to me that he does it only when the cameras are free I was
3: quite surprised as well that we noted when we were watching that he actually gave up the uh, second penalty since he was still on the pitch
0: it's done before, yes. right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, on a last minute penalty against um he was supposed to kick it and then someone else missed it. Tigray.
0: Uh, Tigray. This is two or three years ago, isn't it? No, 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 This
1: this tournament. Oh, this uh, he didn't he didn't take not the not shot at all, uh, the shot. And uh, well anyway, if nobody remembers it, let's just forget Wasn't
2: it. This the the guy who who should they Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I remember distantly this, this this happening this uh, this year uh, also him just passing on a penalty okay. on a last minute
0: penalty like that can't remember it but anyway um, I'd, I'd like to say something about Bocca's well I'd like us to say collectively something nice about Bocca's performance at least because in between me just saying that Godoy Chris played dreadfully and then Santi casting aspersions on uh, Jorge Carranza's performance and how it may or may not have been on purpose which I promise Boca listeners um, that I I didn't know he was going to say before he said <laughs> it um, Boca did win at home again, they won uh, by a, a goleada, by three goals or more at home for the first time in a long time in La Bombonera and regardless of the manner of the goals it, it left a certain good feeling around the club again um, they're not going to fight for the title they're probably too far, not because they're particularly far back points wise but because they're there are too many teams between them and, and first place. I think for it to be a realistic ambition, um, but they're not doing that badly, right?
1: Yeah, and it all always uh, it always helps for the Promedios to add up some points to your tally. I
2: think that Boca, Boca playing decently in the Monera, in Monera is is a, not a, a, a sure win, but. They are close to winning because uh, you know about the yeah. the people, the crowd in the, in the stadium. With only home uh, home crowd not uh, allowed, uh, not away fans or supporters allowed to, to come to the stadium. So uh, it was a unusual match some time ago for for Boca and yeah. La Monera when they they scored the goals and and the the, the other team uh, screw. A possibility to 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 cause problems to the Bo- Boca uh, the Bucks because they are they are poor and in this case the the defense the Cruz defense was poor starting with Carranza who Sandy had has already mentioned.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. But Bo- Boca t- this season, by their own standards, aren't having a great season at home, but they still a-, a reasonably strong home record. I think they've got the fifth. Fourth or fifth best time record, or maybe sixth best time record in the torneo Finale so far, for about five or six matches. So, we're not talking about a um, you know, even when they're in crisis, they're still a very hard team to beat in La Bomonera. Um We're going to talk a little bit about why Santi mentioned the Promedios in relation to Boca after the main bit, but first of all, we should get on and mention that earlier results, notably Colón losing. And Veles losing earlier in the weekend, both on Friday, gave River Plate the chance, sorry, both on Saturday, gave River Plate the chance in the final Sunday match to go top of the Torneo Finale. It would have been the first time that River had been top after 12 rounds of matches since, do we know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Since the 2008 Torneo Class oh. which was the last time that River won the yeah. Primera División.
1: Simeone it was a match.
0: All they had to do was beat Belverano. It's not that hard, oh, is wait. it? Mm-hmm. We've heard this before. <laughs> but um, Belgrano's victory uh, in the first leg of the relegation playoff in 2011, which of course ended up uh, with them I- eliminating River from the first division, that was an interesting way of phrasing it that I just decided to go into. But anyway, um, was one of only two wins in their previous ten matches against River Plate. So River beating them didn't look entirely unlikely. Um, it looked even less uh, well. First of all, uh, in fact, I've got the order of the goals mixed up there. I was about to say it was even less unlikely, but it didn't. Because Jorge Velasquez put Belgrano up uh, 1-0 in the 13th minute. But after that, River settles. They started to find their rhythm. Teo Gutierrez uh, got an equaliser in the 17th minute. Um, so Belgrano's lead only lasted for four minutes. And thereafter, River more or less dominated until a late shot from Luis Lucas.
2: Russian, Lucas, I think. Lucas,
0: isn't it? Yeah, Rashan, who'd never scored for Belgrano's first team before, and um, might still not have scored for <laughs> Belgrano's first team. We're not sure. Um the ball uh saved it, Barrobero flipped it up over him, he he sort of lost um lost grip of the ball. It went to the big arc and it got down, and when Belgra uh, when Barrovero put his hand on it on top of the goal line, the ball had not well, it, wasn't, it was on the line, it wasn't uh, across the line, but the question that was asked was whether he dragged it back slightly onto the line or whether he dragged it straight down. I've seen a million replays of it and I'm not sure.
1: When the did. match was being played, I was sure there wasn't. After yeah, watching there. a million I replays, it live, it I think it wasn't.
0: Yeah. But it's such a close call
1: that y- you have to wonder why technology isn't involved in this kind of... Place like it, it is in every single technology in the space in, in, in the
0: context of that call wouldn't have made a difference though, because it was five minutes before the TV people were able to find a conclusive replay, and even then I couldn't make up my mind. So it depends entirely on the on who's watching, yeah. But you're there. not
1: only thinking about um, TV replays or whatever, but
0: um, oh, the chip didn't. in the ball,
1: yeah, exactly. This could be an option Possibly. if you're only going to do technology for goals, then it makes sense to do chip in the ball instead of going for the full yeah, stopping absolutely. and
0: the camera whatever anyway this is a debate that you'll be able to hear on many other podcasts of course so we, we shan't go into it but what we will go into because it affects um, River Plate is, is the well Ramon Diaz and indeed Ricardo Sielinski's post-match comments because Andres in fact I want to ask you about yours because you were tweeting on Twitter post-game or, or even between the goal and the end of the match about how River shouldn't be crying about this they should have gone out and won the game when it was there to be won yeah. um, and not left it there to, to make a difference um, it's not really the River way to leave it up to a, a late goal is it? There should have been four or five goals up by that point Ganar and and gustar, as John always says when he's on here talking about River
2: Yeah, River is part of the of Argentina football nowadays and, and, and it's not in a nice. so, uh, so uh, they also win for one goal and very tight matches and in this particular case we can say that River was uh, uh, the, the, mi- the r- mistake of the referee of Echenique. Uh, 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 they, they they couldn't uh, get a draw because of, of that mistake. It's not that they were winning and and, and, and they were uh, uh, they were they were not consider the goal that would have uh, let them win. In this case, yes, it was a mistake. But some some matches uh, uh, some previous matches River was. Been a uh, benefit of those dis- decisions. In fact, it could be
0: argued that in this match, Riffle we were the beneficiary so of the decision because Teo equalizer equaliser, I'm not going to say it should have been disallowed definitively, but there were definitely, uh, I think, a lot of referees would have disallowed it yeah. for, for high high foot. He, yeah. The ball was bouncing up over, he was running onto it in one direction. Uh, Belgrano's goal, it was Olave, wasn't it? Yeah, Olave. Yeah, yes. he's come back from his suspension. Um, Olave was running towards him and Gutiérrez as well getting it past Olave put his head, his foot right up and sort of stamped it down into well stamped the ball onto Olave's body and it then bounced for, for Gutiérrez to finish um, into a more or less unguarded net there was a defender back but it was too late for him um, so I mean it works both ways as you say and in this case for River it worked both
2: ways in the same match yes if the referee had given a foul in that play you wouldn't have he wouldn't be able to say anything about that. Uh, uh, he could have judged that the ultras uh, made a uh, 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 try to. Uh, I don't have to say it, uh, the plancha on on Olave. Yes, uh, well, like uh, I say, high foot or a yes, or down yes. whatever. And and so the, the, the so there are places that uh, uh, are very very slight, very narrow, and and you can you have to decide. The referee has to decide in that very moment. And well, you can't complain about every play. And that's, uh, that's my point of view.
0: Indeed. As a result of that, uh, as we've mentioned already, River are not top. They're not even joint top. They are, uh, well, they're fifth on the goal difference in the table, including goal difference and everything. But it's not quite that bad. The top three are San Lorenzo, Estudiantes, and Colón, all with. 21 points and Vélez and River just behind them on 20 points the reason that Estudiantes have joined San Lorenzo Colón joined at the top is thanks to a 1-0 win over Argentinos Studios uh, on Monday with Juan Manuel Olivera scoring the only goal not much to say about that really Estudiantes are
1: very complicated with relegation following that and
0: now that Leonardo Piscolici is injured after it as well it's a huge doubt that he's going to play given that he's scored four and set up the other one of Argentina's five goals so far this year it's not looking good <laughs> Um, and the other game, as we mentioned in passing earlier, Olimpo against Gimnasia La Plata, um, was called off on Monday afternoon, it was due to kick off at 6pm on Monday, it eventually kicked off at 7pm on Tuesday, and it was won 2-0 by Gimnasia, with goals from Ariel yes, Ariel Fernandez and Maximiliano Mesa, Maxi or Biggest Table. Um, scored the second goal just as stoppage time was beginning at the end of a nice counter attack. Santi's quite right to point out that Argentinos are now deeply complicated, uh, compromised in the relegation table. They have 123 points from 107 matches. Godoy Cruz and All Boys are the next two teams up who've got um, three full seasons on the table and they are seven points clear. So Argentinos have got a huge deficit to, um, to make up. Um, all boys and Godoy Cruz both have 130, and as it stands, with Kilmes down there as well, All Boys and Godoy Cruz would have to play a, a tiebreaker um, to decide who went down and who stayed up. Um, as we mentioned already, it's still a very close league table. Uh, San Lorenzo, Estudiantes have got on top on 21, and Central, who are down in ninth, have got 18. So it's only three points separate in the top nine. There's then a three-point gap before you get to Boca, Rafaela, Belgrano and Olimpo, who all have 15. Um, Olimpo, by the way, have complicated themselves a little bit with that defeat against Team Nassi as well. They're not in the relegation zone, um, but they are now only one position above it. And if they don't win this weekend, and All Boys in Godoy Cruz, or All Boys or Godoy Cruz do, then, the, whoever wins, the ball, of all boys, have got I. both of them, if it's that way, would leapfrog Olimpo and Olimpo would be back down in the relegation zone. Which is, given the way they've started the Donnell Finale, fantastic form. They're picking up plenty of points. They look like they finally managed to get themselves clear at the home and dry. And in the last three games, I think they've drawn one and lost two. Um, it's not looking great again for them. They, they've got a tricky run in as well. I can't remember who it is exactly at the moment, but let's have a look. At least they have the
1: advantage that it all depends on them, whereas Argentinos yeah. they, they have to pray basically. Uh, and they, I think
0: we're
3: almost at the stage where we can maybe say Argentinos are almost, one of the, going to be one they're of the three. I think. I think that it complicated is hmm. too kind. I think they do.
0: Yeah. Olympia are away to Racing this weekend. They are then at home to Argentinos Juniors. Um, A yeah. way to kill this. They've got a lot of finals coming up, haven't they? At, at home to River Plate, away to Rosario Central, that's tricky. Then at home to Godoy Cruz, <laughs> and away to Colón. That is... Um, one, two, three, four, five, six... There's seven matches, of which four or five are finals, in inverted commas. Uh, huge relegation clashes. Um, so Olimpo are A bit complicated But as you say It's in their own hands And they're arguably The way that they've been The form they've been in In the finale so far And the results They managed to get In some cases Towards the second half Of the initial They might well Fancy themselves To pick up enough points To pull clear of it um, But it's still Going
2: to be interesting To see what happens With but them As the end of the season Comes I think that The the, the most dangerous Rival for those teams For Olimpo For Doddy Cruz All boys More Quilmes And Argentinos juniors Is themselves because they 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 start to feel pressure, and and, and they, perhaps they, they they barra brava going to the to the to a training to 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 say some, something to them or to menace. So it it will be very very dangerous for them for themselves. They, they I think that the first rival for those teams are them themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing now as well, the way that the results have come recently is that if Lanús Lanús uh, away to San Lorenzo this weekend. Um, If Lanús win that match by one goal, and Estudiantes and Colón don't win, Lanús would go top of the table and have negative goal difference, because their current goal difference is minus two, and they're only two points behind the leaders. Um, The schizophrenia of why that is, is of course to do with the Copa Libertadores and the fact that everyone's throwing all of their eggs into that basket. So we're going to go away now. We will come back after this next piece of incidental music, having recharged our glasses, and we will discuss Argentine sides in the Libertadores and Boca Juniors in next season's relegation table. Don't get too excited, River fans, it's not actually going to happen. Uh, Santi mentions the um, rather hilarious bicycle kick or attempted bicycle kick, which Fernando Cabanaki, um tried during uh, river 's defeat away to Belgrano. turned out to be more of a sort of free willy moment um, <laughs> uh, look up the uh, if you 're able to then look up the the champs for River on YouTube that was disallowed due to handball from Teo Gutierrez who brought the ball down with his chest and got whistled for handball before crossing for Kabanaki, who missed the goal and lost a lot of his dignity in uh, attempting <coughs> that overhead kick. It's very funny. And now, first of all, we're going to talk about the Libertadores teams, who are... Venice Lennos, Lennos, who's San Lorenzo, Newells, and I now, oh, I can do this. I know this, I've got this off pat. Um... I mentioned already that at the weekend there were some distractions because they've all got crucial, decisive matches um, this week. Two of them have already been played. Last night, that's Tuesday night, um, Villa Sarsfield, who had already qualified, got the 1-0 winner over Universitario of Peru at home that they needed to completely confirm that they won the group. They would have in fact want the group with the draw. Yes, and,
2: and sorry, if they... If Santos Laguna doesn't defeat Arsenal, they can end the, the group phase as the first. Exactly as it stands, Velas are the best of the first place teams,
0: which of course, as we mentioned earlier, is key because um, they've got thank you, Santi, because they've, um, they'll be put against the worst of the second place teams. Uh, as it stands, that is Botafogo at the moment. But of course, some of these games are still to be played, so the places can move about. Um, Santos Laguna, if they beat Arsenal, they're on Thursday. Is Thursday, Thursday right? yeah. Yes, good, right. I think tonight then. Um will leapfrog, at but if they don't, then they won. Arsenal will be the best second-place team. Indeed. The... They? Yes, they would, yeah, yeah. Um, Second-best, is that Second-best. Oh, sorry, right. If Arsenal don't lose, yeah, yeah you're quite right. Um, because in the same group, I believe, the strongest... Yes, that's right, the strongest got a two... Same group is on strategy yeah. No, yeah, they are talking about Arsenal, I'm talking but, about well. Yeah, oh, good. sorry. Uh, last you're night, the strongest got a 2-1 victory over Atletico Paranaense of Brazil. Mm-hmm. That's my beautiful Portuguese pronunciation coming into effect there. It was not indeed 2-1. Adriano scored his first goal in two or three years. Um, <laughs> it was a tapping for Paranaense right on the stroke of half Um That's about all we can say, really. I was paying far more attention to the Palace game deserved 1-0 win over Universitario Veles finished the group with 5 wins and 1 defeat um, the defeat having come of course to uh, to the strongest away in La Paz when Veles played their reserve team um, also last night we had a really thrilling end to group 3 very tight one it was uh, there was a, thrilling, uh, a thriller in the other match, the one that nobody in Argentina was paying attention to but which Ralph Hanna was, uh, he wasn't at it in fact he was tweeting. Um, but in La Ocha, in Asuncion, La Oña, sorry, um, where Cerro Porteño ran out 3 2 victors over Deportivo Cali of Colombia, um, the scorers there were Marugo, sorry, no, I'm not going to do that because nobody care. Uh, but Cali went 1 0 up, Cerro Porteño pulled it back to go 2 1 up, then Cali went, um, pulled it back for 2 2, and Cerro Porteño got the late winner to seal qualification for themselves that group started with three teams on seven points and one team on six the team on six were O'Higgins who were at home to Lanús the only thing that was certain was that if Lanús got a draw they were through if they won then they won the group if they got a draw then they might have won the group or they might have uh, finished in second depending on the score of the other Cerro Porteño beating Deportivo Cali meant that Lanús needed to win to win the group and they didn't but with just a few minutes to go and the score already at 3 2 in Asuncion, um, and Lanús knowing by that point that a draw would send them through in second, a win would send them through in first, and a defeat would send them out of the competition. What happens? The Brazilian referee gives a very iffy penalty. yeah um, It did hit uh,
1: the hand of, I think it was Somoza. It, it did hit, did his, hit hand. his hand, but it definitely from, wasn't intentional.
0: Definitely. From point blank range, and as you say, definitely not intentional he wasn't um, even looking at the place where the ball came from hmm. so anyway Lanús get the penalty Lanús are most upset by by uh, sorry O'Higgins get the penalty Lanús were most upset by by <laughs> uh, having the penalty being awarded against them Agustin Marquesin saved the penalty after a couple of Lanús players I think had already been booked for protesting and the second that Marquesin pushed it round the post and out for an O'Higgins corner um Santiago Silva was shown a red card by the referee for basically attacking the ref, right? Uh, but I after think he the shouted the safe. goal
1: or dedicated the goal to the ref. Like, this one is for you, you yeah, He up. went absolutely But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really had a yellow card yeah. before it because when uh, the, the ref whistled for the penalty, uh, he went completely yeah, crackers. took about and, six and it, it should have been a red card. I, I was watching it and I was saying this, this should be a red card. He's going yeah. Silva crackers, you know, After when, when his <laughs> eyes go open like yeah. that, and he's got that crazy Jack Nicholson in the shining look, you know, and it, it's like, what, how come he didn't get a red card before? And then he just
0: blows it all. Once he had to be physically wrestled away from the referee by, by about five players, yes, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and even later on. Um one of O'Higgins' players got sent off, Pablo Hernandez, got sent off for a second dive. You guys a put twice for diving in the box. Um, within <laughs> the like state,
3: two dives within about 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like in, in the last uh, 15 minutes, in fact, somebody tweeted me saying that they just started watching a stream with 15 minutes to go and put a cheeky bet on Lanus to win it. Because they felt like it, but they kept watching and seeing two red cards, two hilariously bad dives, and, and a save penalty. All in that space of time. So even nil-nil draws in the in the group stage of the Copa Libertadores managed to be ridiculously entertaining <laughs> at times. Um, tonight, before this podcast goes online, because it's only kicking off in an hour and a quarter as I speak right now, uh, San Lorenzo are at home to Botafogo. This one is a final, in inverted commas, as we've said already about the relegation ones. That's what they call them in Spanish. This one's a final because San Lorenzo have to win, don't they? Mm. Yeah, I think they need to win. Where are the group standings? Ah, there are the group standings, I see, it's all on one page, you're quite right. Yes, San Lorenzo are bottom of that group at the moment, but if they beat Botafogo, they will go second in the group, as long as Independiente del Valle don't beat Union Española. If that happens, San Lorenzo are out, but uh, San Lorenzo need a, a win at the very, very least, Botafogo can get through with a draw But won't want to rely on it Because if Independiente del Valle Beats Unione Española by enough They can put Botafogo out on goal difference um, So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one Okay, It's going to be a nail biter For San Lorenzo fans Which might be why Mariano's <laughs> Taking the thing off to go
2: down to the fire. <laughs> And we have to say San Lorenzo supporters To tell them that they, they can go to the stadium uh, Easily because uh, bus, buses will be working after is yes, uh, midnight because there will be a national strike tomorrow, and buses will be will, will not be working tomorrow in the, in Buenos Aires. So
0: Indeed, we'll be talking yeah. about uh, the national yeah. strike being today. Of course, by the time this is online, and um, but yes, uh, the, yeah. the, you were saying something about the club president's done a deal with the local bus companies to keep them running until one. Yes. pm saying
2: thank you to the to the uh, uh, to the union traders, union traders of uh, the buses drivers that uh, they will be working until 1 a.m. So it's, it's not an area that um, you really ought to
0: be hanging around waiting for a bus that you know is <laughs> going to <come> in <laughs> at midnight, although having said that, I guess if, there are, if you're in the crowd of 55,000 people coming out of the stadium, it becomes slightly safer, probably. Um, on Thursday evening, not sure whether I'll be able to get the pod online before or after one of these has kicked off, because it takes bloody ages to edit these days, basically, um, but Arsenal de Zarande are at home at quarter to eight PM against Santos Laguna. Santi, take us through that one. You're the Arsenal fan. Um,
1: yeah, it's uh, basically as I said, Arsenal could They're be three. the, the we through uh, could be the best place second team if we win. So even if we're through and Santos and Laguna are also through. Uh, I think it's still going to be a, a, a tight and intense match and Santos Laguna will also want to be the best placed first team
0: Yeah, Arsenal can't win the group by the way the gap is uh, Santos Laguna have 13 points and Arsenal have 9 so Arsenal yeah. can't uh, from them mm-hmm. they also can't go out they're going to finish second and first whatever happens um, but as Santi says it's all about seedings for that yeah. one and this wins. is the first
1: time for Arsenal past the group station the Libertadores so it's, uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting one
0: Do you feel at all like Arsenal doing well at a continental level enables Arsenal fans to say up yours to all of the Argentine fans who say they're only doing well because of (laughs) Grandona? Well, does the fact that Grandona sits on the Commonwealth board really kind of negate that anyway? If you you
1: look at Arsenal's performances, uh, if you look closely at the refs in Arsenal's international matches throughout the last three Libertadores
0: They've all clearly been biased, right?
1: um, I have to say it's, uh, I said that with a yeah, yeah, I on my face But it's uh, You really have to think twice about If Grondona's influence Reaches beyond the limits of Argentina Because in the last uh, Libertadores In three of them We've had In, in the last three We had the, the finalists From the cup In our group mm. Which made us unable to go through the group Past stage you know, And the winners Yeah, you? exactly winners And also uh, On 2000 and Twelve. We also had the two finalists, if I'm not much mistaken. No, that was in 2000. The first one, 2000, might be eleven or might be ten. We had both Liga de Quito and Fluminense. Okay, another Brazilian team which won the Libertadores back then. And also the refs. um, If you look at, uh, I've I've spoken about uh, Nicolas Aguirre being pointed out with a shotgun by a, a Brazilian. Mm. Uh, Cup in uh, Brazil.
0: The the state cop. No, not America, in the Supermercado final. In the Libertadores. In the
1: So, I think, yeah. um, of course, Godona's influence isn't to be undermined, but I think it doesn't go past the limits of, of our country, and I think uh, Arsenal. I mean, we've had, a, as I've said, on the first edition of HandlePod this season, this is, uh, this is the first time that the group seemed accessible. Hmm.
0: And, and you were right. Judgment improved yeah. excellently. Uh, the really key match, however, on Thursday night, I'm almost certain that the podcast will be online before this one kicks off. Whether you've got time to actually listen to all of it before it kicks off is another matter. Uh, because it kicks off at 10pm. That was some impressive knock cracking. sorry no don't worry I did the same thing last week but it kicks off at 10pm or the week before anyway anyway, Gremio uh, are at home in Porto Alegre against Nacional and Newell's old boys are at home in Rosario against Atlético Nacional this isn't confusing at all listen very carefully for the standings as they currently are in group 6 we have Gremio from everyone's played 5 games Gremio have 11 points and a goal difference of six. Newell's have eight points and a goal difference of five. Atlético Nacional have seven points and a goal difference of minus three. And Nacional, that's the Uruguayan ones, have one point, so they're out and a goal difference of minus eight. What's happening to
1: Uruguayan football in the Libertadores? This is are doing poorly as 10 well. Across, yeah. pretty pretty.
0: Sporting are doing quite well, though. They're through, I think, aren't they? Yeah, they're top of the group. In fact, well, they they topped, or they are currently top of the group. So let me five.
1: reformulate What's happening with the big? Your way in terms
0: uh, That is a... Uh, baffling. Indeed, That, that that's a a, hand, uh, a subject for our sister podcast, um, which doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> there was one, I'm not sure whether they're still going. Um, anyway, basically Newell's need, uh, they're at home to, God, I've confused myself now with all of these Nacionals, they're at home to Atletico Nacional, aren't they? <laughs> Yes, they are. Right, brilliant. So, Newells, uh, a draw is enough to send them through because whatever happens, if they draw, that means that they go they've got Nacional have drawn and therefore haven't taken more points than Newells, so that'll finish a point ahead. Uh, if they win and Grêmio lose to Nacional, which is extremely unlikely, I think it's fair to say, uh, Newells can top the group, but otherwise they're going through in second. That's fairly simple, really, isn't it? But it is uh, much more meaningful than the Arsenal match tomorrow night. And I think, given, as we mentioned, that Newells lost the Clásico, Uh, just at the weekend it would be quite a big boost for them if they could get to the knockout stages of the Copa Libertadores Um, if they do then you'd have to fancy them to continue going as well to pick up some momentum because of course last season they were one of the semi-finalists were they not? it was semi-final wasn't it? yeah Yeah. of course yeah they put out Venice and uh, and Boca Boca. and then lost to um, Minedo that's the one thank you Got my memory is terrible mm. That's funny. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to go Completely on Argentina related, but I'd to go Have signed Nicolas Anelka, um, so he'll be playing alongside Ronaldinho in the company. Mm. Like
1: they did in Paris Saint Germain. This is extremely ridiculous. Ten or fifteen years ago.
0: Who was the guy yeah. who scored for Bolivar for this uh, someone or other last night for um, Cerro Poteño Danny Guiza. Uh, scored for Cerro Boteño last night, the, the Spaniard, the European Championship-winning Spaniard. Um, and that 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 was his third goal of this year's Copa Libertadores. A Twitter account, we've been unable to... We've been unable to to verify this 100%, but I'm pretty sure it's correct, tweeted that with three goals, Danny Guisa is the all-time highest scorer from Europe in the Copa Libertadores. I thought about this. Go on.
1: Hasn't Tresegate scored more than three
0: goals? David, Tresigate has two goals in this year's oh, edition okay. for the boys, as does uh, the other bloke one you mentioned. Cacheyon, who's playing in tonight for Bolívar but did not score uh, the one goal they've got against Emelec at the time of recording. Uh, that's just kicked off the second half. Um... So he could overtake him. Trezeguet could overtake him as well. Gonzalo Higuain, of course, held a French passport and didn't have an Argentine one when he played for River Plate in the 2005, six, seven. One of those five (laughs) or six. It would have been six if he moved to Madrid in uh, seven, didn't he? So um, when he played in the uh, 2006 Copa Libertadores at River, he scored twice. Um, but I think he'd be stretching the definition of European slightly, given that he is actually Argentine. So not
1: far from the highest score in South America
0: in the Champions League. <laughs> no, he was no a indeed. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. almost identical records. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's a, a little bit of an aside. European scoring in the Copa Libertadores. If you're into extremely obscure pub qu- quiz questions, that could be one for you. Um, we're also going to mention just as soon as I find the right table on this actually I'm just going to hand the phone to Santa because he's better at working here than me' so it's as um, why we brought up Bocca Juniors in the promedios earlier is because basically it's because Andres is being a bit of a dick I'm um, <laughs> being harsh on Andres actually, it's not Andres at all it's Juan Carlos it's Juan Carlos, Juan Carlos Cresci, uh who is one of Boca Juniors vice presidents he's Bocca Juniors second vice president or something like that I think um, I think he was checking his emails from last year and
1: got a chain email that we've mentioned last year. Oh yeah? That mentioned Boca being relegated in 2015. Did you remember that one? Oh, you're quite right. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Crespi was on television last night after Boca's win against... Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't after Boca's win. was on Sunday. Um, last night was Tuesday, but for whatever reason Crespi went on one of the TV or radio shows And said, Boca Juniors don't need to be thinking about the relegation table. That's silly. That's for for small clubs like River. And of course, by saying, Boca don't have to be thinking about the relegation table, he immediately kicked off a chain of lots of people talking about Boca thinking about the relegation table. Um, Boca are having, at the end of the currency, for the benefit of new listeners, Argentina's relegation system is three seasons old. So if you have been in the Primera División for two seasons, you have last season's and this season's results counted. If you've already been in it for three seasons or longer, you have your last three seasons of results. And all of them, the points that you've totaled in that time, are divided by the number of matches that you've played in that time. So the current relegation candidates, for instance, are Argentinos Juniors, who've got 123 points from 107 matches. Quilmes, who have 83 points from 69 matches, because they've only been up for last season plus this one. Godoy Cruz and all Boys both have 130 from 107. Olimpo just above them have 38 points from 31 games because they've only been up for the current season and all of this is set by the number of points that you've won per game Boca Juniors are currently third in this table that's third highest not third from bottom in large part because in 2011 2012 they managed 76 points they won the title and they they won one title and they challenged for another one Um, of course at the end of this season that is precisely the championship I know no don't worry
1: that's next season's. I know it is I've, oh, sorry,
0: I've, sorry, I've sorry. been on this website before, Santi, so don't worry. Okay. Uh, at the end of this Did season. Like at the end of this season that is precisely the season that is going to be taken off the standings. And this website, which is promiedos.com, which we've mentioned a few times before on hand of pot, um, is uh, fantastic for looking at this because it gives you what the relegation table would look like if the season ended with the current points per game averages and Bocca would plummet from third place all the way down to 11th. So they'd still be fairly comfortable, unfortunately. Um, there's some degree of iffiness because they would have 95 points and the next team, uh, Arcanthinos, for instance, if they said up' would have 74. So Bocca have got a 21-point cushion still. Um, but depending who goes down, if both Arcanthinos and All Boys and Tigray or Colon all go down, Bocca could have as little as a 12 point cushion if Kylmets stay up to the relegation zone and Defensive
1: Justici are probably going up and probably going down next season of course
0: yeah (laughs) the the teams that come up this season will start from zero games played and zero points which means of course that if they win one match they'll have three points per game uh, if they win the first match so every win is divided by fewer games so on the one hand you say Defensive Justici are almost certainly going to go down um, but on the other if a couple of the other teams who come up get off to good starts it handicaps everyone else um, but do Boca really have to be worried I mean should we really be talking about this I'd love to obviously I'm a River fan but it's not going to happen I think, I mean, it, I think yeah. it's more of a question
1: of they're all the only team left that hasn't been relegated so everyone's talking when are they going to be relegated it's their turn now mm. yeah.
2: and because they were playing they were crap yeah. four, th- three or four matches and and, and the, uh, the performance of the team was so bad that they can think well, if, you, if we continue like this uh, for this tournament and, and we start like this in the other, yes, in that case, we should be aware. But uh, I don't think uh, you, have, you have just said that they will, if, if the season start, uh, ended now, they will start the following one in the 11th position. So it's not that dangerous.
1: It's funny to see them thinking so long-term when they never think long-term in Argentinian football for anything else.
0: No, what is interesting is that if Godoy Cruz stay up, they will start next season in 12th and they will only be three points behind Boca. So that does illustrate that Boca at least need a decent season at some point soon. Um, as it stands, Boca have 95 points from last season and so far this season. And generally speaking, the, the rule of thumb, because of course it's an immensely confusing um, system to use when you're comparing teams who've played only one season with teams who've played three seasons in and, two in the of the division. Division. and of course two um, but generally speaking if you can manage 50 points per season that's, that's the normal sort of limit that, that's put 50 points per season is enough for safety so Bocca already are only five points off that slightly disappointingly for the last two seasons um, and it's very very difficult to see Bocca not picking up at least five points in the seven matches that are yeah. left of this season so, it's probably not going to happen, but it is something that they might want to start thinking about, possibly, because of God they're losing knows why it's being mentioned this.
2: But what I see,
0: what you see. No, exactly, he, that's the really confusing thing. Why did I think yeah. Crespi bring this up? But anyway, what very, I
2: see a bit strange is a uh, vice president of, uh, of the club uh, talking in the ra- on the radio and saying, We are not going to the B at this. and this. You're giving importance, you are giving importance to that to the subject, not, yeah. not the, the, the supporters or. or, or Real Plate supporters because it's not something that many people have really been mentioning no.
0: until he said
1: that. I also think um, we've gotten very used to looking at the promedios table and seeing Boca up top yeah. for
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: I don't know 10 years 15 years That's as long cool. as the promedios have been on Boca have been at the top 3 at least so seeing them maybe drop to 10th uh, I think this is one of the reasons why you know the alarms are starting to uh, to sound at Boca But it's still not enough to to be worried
0: for now. On that note, we're going to play some music. Um, When we come back, we shall answer a few questions from our lovely, lovely listeners. So don't go away. break, Uh, Santi has reminded me that I've not let him talk about the lower leagues yet so we shall do that very briefly after the questions but we've had a fair few questions and here they are we've had a few from Phil Carney, his first is thoughts on Agustin Marquesin that's Lanús goalkeeper after another superhuman performance for Lanús, surely he's the best goalkeeper in Argentina and should Sabella not be calling him up ahead of Agustin Orion of Boca?
1: I don't think He's necessarily the best in Argentina. He did have an amazing performance at the the Libertadores. I still think Orión is is the better goalkeeper today.
0: Interesting. As we mentioned a few times in recent weeks, we're not talking about a league that is, by any means, short on goalkeeping talent. That's one position in which Argentina, or the Argentine league at least, certainly has a lot of strength in depth. And and I've
1: always wondered how come they... um Whenever a young midfielder or forward has ten decent matches, he always get whisked, uh, gets whisked away by the European leagues. But we've got plenty of uh, amazing goalkeepers who have uh, three or four straight amazing seasons and they still seem to be other.
0: their… Uh, well, look at, at Sebastián Romero. <laughs> he played about four matches for the Racing before he got signed yeah. by like Hazard uh, And, and a, a
1: friend of mine um, said it might have to do with height. I mean, Campestini, for example, he's a brilliant goalkeeper, and he's under 1 meter m mm. so might have to be, do with that. I don't know how tall Mackenzie is, is, I think he's a bit taller than that, but... I'll tell you, you what we should do, it. is that hopefully
0: in a couple of weeks' time, uh, we can't promise anything because he's going to be a very busy man when he's here, but Jonathan Wilson's going to be himself. If we get him on, remind me to ask him that question, Santi, yeah. because he knows, uh, I mean, at least a couple of scouts who come down here. Um, for Europe and he sort of knows what they look for. So it might very well be height or aerial ability. There are not as many crosses going into the box. Uh well or rather there aren't as many well crafted crosses going into the yeah, box in the Argentine they tall be forwards in the can head League as there were before. Precisely. Uh, yeah. Um it's an interesting question. But I think in terms of Macassine I certainly wouldn't say no to him as a squad member, but I don't think he's Miles and miles better than Orion at the moment. Andres, you're the other Argentine, so would you be happy with him in the Argentina squad?
2: Yes, the fact is that as, as uh, goalkeeper has a, a very good uh, uh, performance uh, near the, the World Cup when we are close to the World Cup, a uh, lot of people will ask for them to, to be called up. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I think that, yes, that perhaps uh, uh, I, I, I even would call him up instead of a perhaps. I don't know if he's really uh, being a such a good goalkeeper as for him to be being called, called up. Uh, but I, I think that the that Orion is better better than that Mar- than, Mar- than has, as as he has said. Non- he had a very good uh, a very good uh, performance uh, stopping the penalty last night and perhaps next match he's not that good that's, what, that's the fact that that. Orión's a little more consistent yeah you know? okay I think anyway
3: he's just, the point is he's one of several yeah. very good goalkeepers and we're debating the probably the third choice yeah person that goes to the squad so you, you, you're not going to really debate
1: that for very long no Orión, Saka, Campestrini there's I, I could mention what Caranta uh, News goalkeeper is also very good Guzman Guzman uh-huh.
0: Uganda. Terrible but hair, but, Yeah, ar- he's ar- he's ar-
1: so got This is also very young and yeah, very Ruli talented.
0: Is, twenty-one. Yeah, he's, he's got time. He will. Yeah, yeah. I think he will be off to Europe. We, we haven't
1: heard of any European team coming running to get Bruni, and he's twenty-one. He's brilliant.
0: Yeah, but so. he's, that's the thing. He's, he's still very young. So in a way, it's refreshing that these players aren't being missed in yeah, any yeah, yeah. position, and it does leave the league. Perhaps that's part of the reason that the league is so low scoring this season Is that
2: all of the best players in the league have <laughs> yeah. got Barovero as well <laughs> Barovero, yeah I think he had already said this in previous Hand of so That he's not very good with defeat No, exactly I'm not saying that baravero should
0: necessarily be Should, should be yes. involved in the Argentine national team um, But undoubtedly a player of Barovero's ability in an outfield position would not be playing in this league exactly. at his age exactly. he'd be in Europe or in Mexico um, Tom Robinson asks how likely and this is where we, we have a question now about players coming the other way how likely are the rumours of Diego Milito coming back to Racing I've heard it's very I apologise for that clicking by the way it's very difficult to stay still on this chair um, but anyway my,
3: my understanding from the Italian press not that <laughs> Well, Peter's uh, contacts. Yeah, my my contacts in <laughs> Italy suggest that um, that's quite likely to happen in the summer.
0: Yeah, I think it's all, I mean, it, he's not playing that often for Inter. Any, is he playing for Inter anymore? Is it? He played at the
3: weekend and missed a penalty. I oh, did it. Yeah. Oh, wow I missed it. And,
0: and apparently, he's been pretty shit. So the president. I think you'll fit in quite well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the president. You'd have to think that the at least one of Rasic's forwards. I think we've been talking about this on Sunday. Oh. In fact, well, when we were watching the games, at least one of Rasic's forwards is bound to go this summer. Um, and Melito to that extent, was as well as being a crowd favourite, so even if he comes back and does dreadfully, the board aren't going to get it it know, years he's
2: when in yeah.
0: so. exactly. He's probably looking at what Tresca is doing at the moment and yeah. I could have some of that. And,
2: and I think
1: Racing could really benefit from an experienced player to kind of organise the kids yeah. and teach them yeah. a thing or two. And yeah. Yeah, the other thing that we mentioned at the weekend was
3: perhaps it would be a good window for Racing to cash in on. Um, someone like Bieto, who perhaps hasn't really progressed in the way that a lot of people yeah. thought he would when he first came into the, into the team hmm. um, but there's still a lot of hype surrounding him so they probably could get a decent amount of money
0: well it's presumably pay- paying Milito comparatively less for his ability given that he's a massive racing fan and he's already a multi-millionaire you know, from playing in Europe and all the rest of it we have um, to remember
2: so, Claudio Lopez who had already uh, yeah. Came back to Racing when he was uh, not. A, he ha- when he didn't have any more room in Europe, and it was a, a waste. Indeed. Yes.
0: Phil um, Carney again. Him and Tom Robinson are exchanging questions for the first few questions of this, because we've got another one from Tom in a second. Asks uh, one for Santi, as an Arsenal fan. Have you been surprised by just how mediocre Jorge Ortiz has been for Lanús
1: um, I, I haven't seen all of those matches this season. The, uh, the, the ones that I've seen, oh, uh, I, I, I wouldn't agree that, that Ortiz was mediocre. Uh, I think um, he's had his ups and downs, of course, but... Sorry, this chair is a few. <laughs> um, playing alongside Somoza isn't doing him any favors, because I think they're two very similar uh, midfielders. Uh, but, for example, I think he had a very very good match um, last night against Union Española. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, Fields are Lions fans, so if he says he's been mediocre throughout the season.
3: Probably, I'll, that I'll, Diego Gonzalez
2: is, was superb, so perhaps mm-hmm. that was compared to Diego Gonzalez. In that case, you, you could say that uh, Ortiz wasn't at the same level, but uh, with uh, Gonzalez and Somoza, the midfield was... Well covered. Yeah. Or he's yeah. lost some place there. Yeah.
1: yeah, and he was well used to being basically the owner of Arsenal's midfield. So going from a, you know, the spotlight to just uh, standing on the sideline and, and being a support player uh, could, could be half of him.
0: Yeah. Uh, Phil runs, by the way, for any uh, fans who, who want Twitter accounts in English to follow, uh, to do with Argentine football, Phil runs the Lanus in English account, which I believe is at Lanus in English. Um, which is excellent to follow so do so uh, I don't think I do but I do from Hand of Pod so if you have look at the accounts that Hand of Pod follow and look for one called Lanus in English that's that's it um, then another from Tom Robinson who says I would like to again another one for Santi popular today <laughs> I would like to get Santi's opinion on Ramiro Carrera I have been impressed by him this season
1: he's been very good um I apologise by
0: the way for not being able to roll ours properly I'm English speaking (laughs) so it's difficult I'm not
1: Scottish yeah I mean Carrera has been quite impressive but you always have to remember that Arsenal players who are impressive in Arsenal are always shit in other teams so don't get your hopes up for seeing him perform beautifully when he leaves
0: Arsenal Can you think of any exceptions at all to that rule? Uh, Borussia Never well, played for us yeah, yeah so he did
1: yeah. I mean, did. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah played. Uh, his debut was in Arsenal. Ah, there you go. Um, Lisandro Lopez has been, I, I reckon, I'm he's not a big follower of the Portuguese league, yeah, yeah. but I reckon yeah, he's, he's in been. The process. Process. Oh, he's in Spain now, yeah. you yeah. yeah. right. Malacca. Malacca. he's Getafe. All Getafe? Getafe. Yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Has he been. Apparently, he yeah, been. Yeah, 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 yeah. That could be possibly the only exception in the last four to five years. Dario Benedetto. Benedetto, he scored three goals in his first match
0: and then kind no, of... No, I think him. he was injured
3: there and he's come back and started scoring against Tier 1. Tijuana. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Peter also follows Mexican football as well. Yeah, so but the Mexican league is... Better yeah. than the Argentine Arch- <laughs> 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 <Better than the> <laughs> League is the key word that you're looking for. In you that think? Person. Yeah. Where Benedetto scores three goals in his first... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liam Kelly, no relation, as I say every week asks has Carlos oh bloody hell, has Carlos Tevez earned his place on the plane to Rio personally I think he has and maybe even the team but will Alejandro Savella choose him no we get asked something along these lines every couple of weeks and I suspect Liam knows and every week the answer is the same thing and that is even if you think the answer is yes he's earned his place he's not going to be there no. so
3: well the answer probably is yes has he earned it in terms of
0: but, is he's, he not. Well but he's not, enough. because to earn his place he has to stop being a massive... Yeah, band, yeah. I mean, has yeah. To but I'm, I'm assuming the
3: question of kind of comes from is he playing well enough at club level to warrant it, and the answer obviously would be yes. Of course. But with uh, everything else around it. Will Alejandro
2: is, is, Sabella choose him? No. no. We have, have already said that he has constantly shown that he doesn't respect the group, that he only respects himself. And... and, and uh, unfortunately for him, when you go to World Cup, you have to be inside the group. Mm. Yeah, and unless and you are
1: Cristiano Ronaldo or something. Yes. No, but, but here Christian, you have. He, some he
0: Manny, don't say that in front of Joel I ever, mean, because Joel will tell you um, that Cristiano oh, yeah. Ronaldo takes it's a lot of that pressure person. on himself um, and and realizes the the place that he has in the team and takes it all on himself to do. And Joel, of course, worked quite closely with him during the last Euros. Um, so knows of which of what he speaks I, I don't say this as a particular fan of Cristiano Ronaldo as a person but apparently an enormous professional and um, and so on um, the other point of course on a very very pedantic note to pick up on Liam's question is that it's the plain to bello horizonte because that's where <laughs> right on, but anyway um, Liam also says On a side note The Copa Argentina Second round Starts tonight With Independiente versus Santa Marina And Atletico Tucumán versus Ferro And if you look at
1: Independiente squad Today for, Against Santa Marina You'd think You know They have a main goal And they should just Put the kids out but if you look at the squad, they have such a big squad for the Primera League that did, it looks...
0: Did you see what Fabian Asman said the other day? No. Fabian Asman, of course, being hilariously named <laughs> yeah. second or third choice goalkeeper for Independiente, who at one point looked like a future national team goalkeeper. Yeah. Cause they had about three or four amazing keepers all in the same squad at one point. Uh, he said the other day that if Independiente win the Copa Argentina, we will qualify for the Libertadores, <laughs> <laughs> and that was why they wanted to win it. And uh, I saw a few people picking him up on that and saying, "Yeah, you need to get back into the Primera first, and then worry about winning the Copa Argentina, yeah, which no yeah. one really gives a toss about."
1: But if, but if you look at it, you have Asman, you have um, Insua, Pisano. Um, there's also Alderete and uh, a forward who is also, you know, like well-known Primera players playing in this. Throw of uh, is, squad is that man
2: at Independent? I thought he would Yeah. He's had no he's still there. Oh,
1: cool. It's basically a mix of those, you know, former first team uh, Independiente players and kids who nobody, nobody has heard of for tonight's match.
0: Craig Clark asks, Are there any ex players managing now who you envisage following in Simeone's footsteps? Is the job that he is doing recognized in Argentina? I think it's Ixhermo. Today, we are of course recording, I think Craig Craig tweeted this two hours ago, so that would have been after. um, But of course we're recording shortly after Atletico Madrid put Barcelona out of the European Cup at the quarter-final stage. Today it's probably recognised a bit more, but in general, long to medium term, rather than when he's just had an impressive result... Possibly not as much as it otherwise would be, because with Estudiantes he won a title and then finished bottom. With River he won a title and then finished bottom. With Racing he just did dreadfully. Albeit that was his very first managerial job, and they were in crisis when he took when he retired from playing to take over for six matches. To um,
3: so be saying, I'd like to they're going to get relegated next season.
0: Yes, probably. At least
3: European
1: dandelot didn't fit in well with the Argentinian
0: public. Exactly, it, it's a very. Bizarre relationship they have I mean I I don't like him that much For precisely this reason Because he, he seems fantastic short term uh, And then in Argentina at least Long term it all goes to shit afterwards Obviously Europe might be well might very well Be better suited to his, his Game the fact that he's going to be able to keep hold Of the vast majority of his decent players After potentially winning a title Or challenging for a title Is going to help um, In terms of his recognition in Argentina For the moment no if he, t- if he maintains this for a few seasons, then we'll see. Yeah. And as for
1: uh, former players who are following, as I said, I think it's, he's,
0: he has to be the next Boca manager. Sure. But in some way, I think that what Craig's getting at is... Because, of course, in Argentina, Barro Seguilotto, if he becomes the next Boca manager, I've seen one of two things suggesting that he's already been approached um, to succeed Bianchi next season if Bianchi decides to go at the end of this season um, if he becomes Boca manager in Argentina his profile will be far beyond anything that Simeone could hope to achieve without becoming manager of River or Boca but in terms of what he's doing as a manager in the wider world Simeone is undoubtedly more visible outside Argentina and part of that is because Simeone always throughout his playing career always had this enormous affinity with Atletico as well he's he's an Atletico legend as a player as well as a manager so ex-players managing who you envisage following in Simeone's footsteps to an extent you'd need an Argentine former player who's a legend at a European club yeah like Sanetti if Sanetti went into management and took over Inter exactly yeah you'd be looking at something like that can we think of any of them? hmm
2: Trespo Perhaps. Well. Pardon? Crespo no, I'm so ah, Crespo yeah Isn't Crespo I mean, on uh, I, I Sadoff's staff He's more Nash's into
0: football spot. politics with uh, oh no that's Batistuta who was uh, yeah. promoting the Quatter World Cup wasn't it I think I read that Crespo was one of Clarence Sadov's staff
3: at ACMN That it might be complete bollocks but
0: that's <laughs> 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 so quite something if it is that's excellent so, so how about the South after
1: magic what's his name again
0: Pochette? Pochette? Pochettino? No, Pochettino. I've just cut a bit, during which Santi got a bit confused. Uh, Pochettino? Yeah. Possibly. Mm-hmm. In England, at least. I mean, in the, uh, and as a result, in the anglophone world, I think, absolutely. Um,
1: but it speaks volumes that I didn't even remember the name of the team, because he's got, we actually got absolutely asked, no coverage. We were actually
0: yeah. asked a question about Pochettino earlier this season, uh, and whether the job that he was doing in Southampton was being recognised in Argentina, funnily enough, and the answer was no, because... <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, b- yeah. precisely well, that. I- if-, if he got named Manchester United boss after David Moyes goes this summer, I'm being optimistic. Um, then undoubtedly his, you know, then it would skyrocket. Everybody, oh man, United have got an Argentine boss, but the fact that he's doing really quite well in the Premier League with a smaller club doesn't mean anything. And,
2: and I think that Simone was precisely scouted by by Manchester United in case Moyes didn't yeah, continue
3: they actually mentioning Scolotto as potentially moving to Europe you might want to tone down uh, what he's like since he regularly seems to be getting sent off in Argentina hmm. I think but yes, the sorry. problem
0: with that is Identical that Barros so yeah that's, really that's one thing and the other he point is that Barros even when he was a player was a complete and utter bellend um, and as a manager he continues to be a complete and utter bellend and regardless of the fact that he also seems like quite a good manager so it's a bit irritating really but he's very much apart from his style of play very much the Mourinho of Argentine uh, football someone. we've actually found the Mourinho of Argentine football after all the times we've been asked when there is one and we've struggled it, it's clearly clear Barraza it Colotto isn't it I think it's clear yeah, it it's got to be Barraza Colotto <laughs> he's the only one who's even vaguely going to be as successful as well um, Luis Bessone asks Hijo de Red Puta Grandona in charge of Shambolic AFA for three and a half thousand years now when is the next election? And have any candidates throwing their hat into the ring? The next election, Luis, is going to be in October or November of 2015. So you've only got another 18 months. And Grandona announced seven or eight months ago that he was not going to stand, as we talked about at the time. So, well, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to stand, hmm. because he might very well. Um, but he claims that he's going to be stepping down in the second, in, in sorry, in the final quarter. Um, of next year, so fingers crossed that is true. Uh, true or false? This is also from Luis. True or false? Marcos Cáceres is the best right-back in Argentine football?
2: Are you yeah. No, right. But well, okay. last, these so are left so right? left. Cacol, left as well. Yes. So... No. News no, is not anymore the thing used to be, so... I say no brilliant in that case, so Peter? Anything
0: to add? Uh possibly, is is the answer to that one, Luis. Um have we had any more? Let's check. Todos lost oh that is todos lost tweets. I thought it was tweets destacados that we were on. That's it. That's all the questions that we've been asked. Uh we believe, because we're not actually logged into the pod account, we're just looking at their apps, Um but that should be all of them. And so now, Santi, very briefly what's going on in the wonderful world of the b Nacional and Primera B, and oh. if you want to, I can Actually, I'll tell you what, should we recharge glasses again because we've run out of now um, We shall be back in two seconds' time and Santi's going to tell us what's going on in the lower leagues. been going on in the lower divisions because you've become quite irate, you've not yet met Gustavo, he's a lovely gentleman um, but we've not managed to get you both on the same podcast and I realise that you, you feel threatened um, <laughs> by, by his presence on, on the podcast oh there's the league table um, yeah yeah I'm quite sorry because... I'm going to interrupt you to say that my exclamation of oh that's the league table just now is because we're watching entirely un-Argentina related Copa Libertadores games and I've just been wondering what happens if they stay as they are with five minutes to go Santi, continue.
1: Okay, um, so going to the Primera Nacional, um, Independiente are still down in flames. Um, have won I think, one or no matches in 2014. Well,
0: if we talk about Independiente, we have to let Peter talk about Independiente because he yeah. supports them. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Serious question, not taking the piss. What happened at the weekend, Peter?
3: There was a nil-nil draw with, with. Unión. Oh, Unión, of course. Yeah, I saw the end of it. Yeah, it's pretty dreadful. Um, <laughs> which is a bit annoying, actually. That. This week I'm back on talking about a double and another draw. I missed a week, in fact, we in- 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 won 3-0, and the week before we obviously lost as well, so...
0: So the key is obviously for you to never come We never the come <laughs> <out the problem. laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah, Independiente um, are still not in the promotion uh, part of the table. Uh, yeah, in
3: fact this weekend I think is, is huge because Independiente have dropped out of the top three and don't play until Monday, and Instituto... So they'll uh, know
0: before the next game whether or not they can get back into the top three, otherwise it could be that they play it.
3: But they could also be five points
1: adrift of the top three before they play, so obviously... And Instituto are playing tacheres, which are pretty dreadful and quite compromised with relegation as well, so... It's not looking good for so independent. So so the. Independent
0: The top three at the moment in order from first to third. Banfield and Defensa
1: Defensa Tucuicia are uh, ten points and el- ten and eleven points ahead from the mm-hmm. third place team. Which so it's pretty safe to say Banfield going Institu- yeah. it's, it's pretty safe to say Banfield and Defensa Justicia are ninety percent secure the place. How on the many games to go? How many games?
0: How many games are they all five? Thirty-three. 33 um, 23. So 23. nine games
1: left. Since forty-two game. Yeah. Just nine games left. Um, Crucero, who were had a pretty uh, good start of the season and then they went down. Now they've seemed to be going up again, have forty-nine points, as do independiente. Mm-hmm. Atlético Tucumán forty six, Gimnasia Jujuy, forty-five, Union, Huracán. It's all pretty tight uh, when you go down from there. And Independiente's performance, this, uh, apart from the 3-0 win, I yeah, guess, that's shit is. Even been, that performance yeah.
3: was not particularly good. I mean, I think the yeah.
1: scoreline actually flattered Independiente.
3: Um, yeah, it's true. And there was a lot of quite nervy moments, and Rodriguez was quite busy in goal, so it wasn't, on, on paper you look at it and think, oh, 3-0, maybe Independiente have turned the corner, but the game yeah. didn't suggest there yeah, was a yeah, huge yeah.
1: change from what we've seen. And also seeing Inzua playing in the reserve team for the Copa Argentina tonight against um, Santa Marina is, is saying lots. I mean, he's supposed to be the star. Uh, mm. The star. Yeah, he
0: was. Uh, he came back. Guy. Mm-hmm. Came back in January, and we mentioned, in fact, at the time, they asked him, "Can you play in the same team as Daniel Montenegro, or are mm-hmm. you going to get in each other's way?" And he said, "No, we can play in the same team." they played together, together do
1: do. when Independiente the were our champions, which happened too. Yeah. With, um, Silvera was the only forward and Montenegro and Insua were uh, behind him on a very uh, 2010 kind of formation but 10 years before um, so big uh, big weekend for Independiente it's not looking too good
3: no I think the game on Monday night against uh,
1: Almirante Brown
3: is huge yeah. which we keep saying every week that <laughs> so this week is huge but this week could be, uh, you know, we'll start to see a, a gap if Instituto have one over the weekend and then, in the, then and the, it's ver-
2: I, I think it's better for Independiente to play away than than home. With people yeah. putting pressure in the play, in the players and having to go and look for the goal when the the rival does uh, does what what is supposed to do, which is wait for them in in their own the side and then. If they can they they score a goal but if they don't it's okay they 0-0 zero zero it's perfect for for the rivals. Yeah so. of
3: course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and just the fact that Independiente the, a team of that stature being in the Nacional Bay for for most the other teams playing Independiente yeah, yeah. is a couple of It's the finalist. biggest
1: yeah. it's the biggest match yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and and playing in the Libertadores America Stadium is D match of yeah. the year.
3: I mean, this this match on Monday is... So, look at that
2: beautiful three-quarters <laughs> finish. They, they had the vicious San Carlos match that they couldn't score a single goal with Pichan San Carlos, of course, the ten men on their own side. And that was a, a, like an example for me.
1: You know. Yeah, Villa San Carlos being by far the most awful team yeah. probably in the whole Argentina football system right now. Just absolutely... Shit.
0: Even worse than the ones down in Primera and B and C and D. I mean, and
1: co- in comparison to the teams on their own league, of course. So Vichas just like Carlos Gallos
0: yeah. very much rooted to the bottom of the table. Then. Yeah, yeah, basically
1: completely doomed. If you're saying Argentinos is flat yeah. or right, saying they're complicated, Vichas and Carlos are basically
0: fucked. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's it. And then on the Primera B, um, we're looking at... The question, on everyone's, the,
0: the so question on everyone's lips, first of all, Santi, because of course most of our listeners know who you support in Primera B, um, is uh, uh, how did uh, Defensoris de Belgrano get on at the weekend? Because of course, another yeah, thing that most you know is that my brother was here last week, um, he and I don't think we mentioned it on the pod. He, he made a guest appearance on last week's podcast. That um, he was off to watch them with you on Saturday before flying home on Sunday. And yeah, you against you, Phoenix. But because of the pouring rain
1: them. that we mentioned before, all of the Primera matches, Primera B matches
0: on Saturday afternoon were suspended. Primera B, yeah. of course, being this. 3rd division in Argentina, because yeah. they like to confuse everyone as much as they do in Spain. <laughs>
1: so it was suspended, and Defensor de Bergana is actually playing right now against Temperley and losing once again. Uh, that was the one you were
0: supposed to see on Saturday though. No,
1: that was oh, against Phoenix, okay. but this is a mid-week right. round because as well as Primera, everything needs to be finished before the World Cup.
0: You got asked so, an interesting question, actually, on Twitter the other day, and I know it wasn't found in the pod, but let's just put it again now. Uh, why are Defensores de Belgrano called Defensores de Belgrano when they play Núñez? Um,
1: this is because Defensores de Belgrano are over 100 years old. It was founded in 1905, and back then, oh, Belgrano... Sorry for interrupting, but
0: what a fucking hit that was! <laughs> Carry
1: on. Um, uh, Belgrano was a separate city of its own uh, 100 years ago or so, and Defensores was... Defensor Stadium is still in the original location uh, oh, okay. in the old city of Belgrano. It was always named Defensores de Belgrano and after that, Buenos Aires grew bigger and bigger, engulfed uh, Belgrano. Also, Flores was a separate city of its own, San Isidro. If you go to Belgrano, Cabildo and Puramento, the main corners of Belgrano, just one block away from here, you can see the main square of what used to be the Belgrano city and the main church and the government seat. And all the old buildings of what used to be the old Belgrano city, and that would make sense of what I'm saying if you ever visit
0: Belgrano in Buenos Aires. There's your answer, thank you very yeah. much. And now tell us about the teams at the top of Primera.
1: Please, because I don't Bay. want to talk about the relegation. Um, Nueva Chicago are the top team, have been for a long time now. They're come back to the Primera B, looks imminent, and very deserved because they're, I think, by far, along with Chacarita, the, the Biggest supported team in the Primera B, and it's ridiculous they have to be in the third division. And um, then the Primera B has second to five, sec- the second to fifth place teams play uh, playoff for the second uh, promotion. And you got Atlanta, Merlo, Platense. Merlo was in the second division not far from from now. Platense has a long story being in the first division, as does Atlanta. And surprisingly enough, Phoenix which is the smallest of teams probably in the Primera B. The sede is two blocks away from here, and it's this yeah. very small, very, very small little place with a Taekwondo sign on it, and you're saying, these guys cannot possibly play independently in next season. But there you
0: go. It might happen. So. Or even Boca in two seasons. Or even Boca. <laughs> That's hot, man. There we go. Um, the. Final piece of music, well it won't be quite the final piece because of course there's an end theme, Um, but the final piece of incidental music that you hear is going to be Mystic Sam's theme tune and when I come back I shall tell you what to bet your pocket money on this coming weekend. Okay, here we go. We've got some uh, a few matches this weekend which might see distractions because, of course, there are midweek games next week in the league again. Uh, first of all, Rosario Central versus Belgrano. I think it's going to be a Rosario Central victory. Tigre versus All Boys looks like by far one of the dullest matches of the season. So, draw. Low goals as well. Quilmes versus Estudiantes de la Plata. I think it's... Quite likely to be a draw as well because Quilmes have picked themselves up a bit recently. Argentinos Juniors versus Velez. I think really Velez ought to win that, regardless of the fact that. um Sorry, next week isn't midweek, is it? Next week is the first leg of Copa Libertadores knockout stages. Um, so Velez are going to have double distractions, but I think that they'll, they'll win this one anyway. Racing versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca. Um, shockingly, I think Racing can win that going to whisper it. San Lorenzo against Lanús. A lot might depend on um, whether Lanús go through or go... No, hang on, sorry. Whether yeah. San Lorenzo go through or go out just after this is recorded. Um, but I'm going to go for a draw, I think, in that one. Gimnasia y Agrima La Plata versus Arsenal de Sarandí. I'm going for a Gymnasia win. Sorry, Santi. Godoy Cruz against Newell's Old Boys. Godoy Cruz to win. Newell's don't travel well Newell's haven't won away in 10 league matches Um, and Godoy Cruz have got a very very strong home record Uh, River Plate against Atlético de Rafaela I think it's going to be a River Plate victory and finally Colón versus Boca Juniors is a draw in Santa Fe does anyone disagree or agree very strongly with any of those the question I ask every week
2: who who is uh, is, Godoy Cruz playing with goal oh, I'm against, against Yes, Wolves Is Carranza being the goalkeeper because if he's crazy like against Boca well. No of course not he's suspended he got sent off Ah yes sorry
0: well yes Okay Vito Torrico, I think no no someone else
2: Almirón. me um, Almirón. hockey help me no it won't no that's no, manager, a, a yes. manager. A, yes. well anyway if, uh, whoever the goalkeeper is I think he will do better than Carranza last Match,
0: so, yes, Has to as, as I say as well as well as the away form they're also playing on Thursday night in the Libertadores so they're only going to have a couple of days to prepare for that match as well as travelling across to Mendoza which is a long trip which I suspect is at least part of the reason that Godoy Cruz have such a strong home record in the last couple of seasons. Uh, Santi, Arsenal another away to Gimnasia in between. Last night's Libertadores game and next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday's Libertadores game? It's not looking to do. Do you think Arsenal are going to continue to prioritise the Libertadores now they're in the knockout stages?
1: Definitely, and also if you look at the promedios, you'll see that Arsenal has they're a good, comfortable are not they are so, quite comfortable, so
0: this whereas is the Gimnasia, first time. Gimnasia aren't down in the battle at all, but they are. They're on 44 points, so as I mentioned earlier, 50 points for the season generally sees you safe, so Gimnasia could really do with another couple of wins. So I think motivation-wise Ignacio clearly Going to have the advantage under at home Yeah And all the rest of it so.
1: Definitely uh, I, mean, I think Arsenal can definitely Afford to Let go of This season And focus on the Libertadores Like they're They're
0: doing Because there's a good As we say A cushion Of points So Indeed um, We mentioned Earlier Non-Argentine related That uh, What's his first name again? Juan
2: Miguel Juan Miguel Sorry
0: Juan Miguel Casajón uh, was on two goals for Bolívar in this year's Copa Libertadores. He scored a third um, whilst this match took place about uh, 35 minutes ago. He put Bolívar two-one up against Emelec, so he's now tied with Dani Guisa for the title of all-time top European scorer in Copa Libertadores history, aka this year.
2: And both still playing because both teams adapt to Yes,
0: yeah, both teams are through to the to the knockout stages. Um, that is all that we've got time for on this week's Hand of Pod we shall be back at some point next week possibly um, no as we've already said it's not a midweek round of league games next week so it's not too bad no it is no it's not not I'm very really confused the week, the week after that anyway um, goodbye for now from Andres goodbye uh, goodbye from Peter goodbye goodbye from Sandy goodnight And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Uh, Just following that little uh, discussion or self-correction towards the end there, I was convinced that we did indeed have a midweek round of matches next week because it's going to complicate things for next week's recording. It turns out I was right. There is a midweek round of matches next week and seven of the eight Copa Libertadores first knockout stage rounds, first legs, are also scheduled at present for next week. So, frankly, fuck knows what's going to happen to the scheduling and to my previews and to hand the pod recording. Uh, but we will see you again next week. Have a pleasant weekend.